You are listening to the Coach's Ed Podcast exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. I am Chris Paniotto, and today I am joined by Professor Jean Cote. Uh, Professor Cote, Jean, thank you for joining us. Apologies for any technical issues we may have, an enc- uh, may have encountered and kept you guys waiting, but we're in for a treat today with, with Jean, and we're going to discuss transformational coaching. Jean, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, and I'm really sorry about uh, the technical difficulty here. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to this, Chris, and, and thanks for having me. Yeah, brilliant. And, uh, you know, just a little about us. Obviously, our core value is safety this month uh, for Rush Soccer. Thank you to everybody who's on live with us, and thank you to everybody who will listen to this later. This is – we are in for a treat today. I've listened to Dr. Cote talk a few times. I've also watched some of his YouTube videos and, and some of the stuff that's on the web and read the papers. But we are in for an absolute treat today, uh, and it's going to be backed up by research and science on how we can make the best environments possible for those that we work with. So without any further ado, welcome again, Jean. Thanks, and let's roll. Give us your journey. Give us a little bit about your journey, and then let's get into it. Okay, sure, yes. Well, my journey is, uh, you know, I, I think if we go back to, you probably noticed by now that I have a little bit of a French accent. So I am French-Canadian, born in Drummondville near uh, Montreal. Uh, uh, yeah, grew, grew up in Drummondville, and then at about uh, 18 years old, I moved to uh, Ottawa, the University of Ottawa, to uh, study uh, human kinetics. And then, uh, so that's where I started learning English and then and, and do my work in English. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, so I studied, uh, I did an undergraduate degree in human kinetics at the University of Ottawa and then a, a master at the University of Montreal in sports psychology and, and then uh, completed my doctorate at the University of Ottawa, back at the University of Ottawa, uh, looking at expertise in coaching. And since then, uh, you know, I, I grew up playing sport, playing ma- mainly ice hockey. Uh, that's what you do in Quebec for the long winter. And then, uh, yeah, so, so after, after I graduated with my doctorate, I, I took a job at uh, Brock University in, in St. Catharines for five years. Then, uh, then I moved to Kingston, Queen's University, where I am right now. So I've been here for 20 years. Uh, my research is really trying to understand uh, best environment to help athletes develop in sport. And uh, I looked at the spectrum throughout my research from expert performers, expert coaches, and expert elite level athletes to uh, recreational athletes and young people and young children in sport. Uh, and I don't think that the two are conflictual or incompatible you can you can be a very good person and develop as a very good person and achieve high level of performance in sport and i think that's kind of what i'm really interested in uh, really trying to understand the environment the ideal type of environment for the achievement of performance but also the personal development uh, uh, of people so that's kind of a very quick overview of my life <laughs> Yeah, and we thank you for sharing. Interesting. Um, 
hockey, ice hockey, obviously, in, in Quebec, like you said. Um, but this is this is what gets me right. You said you research, you're looking for the best environments to help athletes develop in sport. And you said that, that you did it from the elite to the recreational level. Um, what yeah. were the common themes between the elite and the recreational as far as environment goes? Well, I think there's there's a few things, but one is uh, you know I think I think uh, the early research we did uh, showing that kids at a very early age, elite level athlete at a very early age, would not specialize at a young age. So they would they would play different sports, and they would play in a lot of different types of environment. So they would practice, but play uh, sport for fun on the street, play in an organized sport. Uh, play with uh, you know instruction from coaches or so I think the diversity of experience is a common theme between elite and less elite level athletes. It's it's something that seems to be happening to people who achieve high level of performance or people that keep doing sport for recreation uh, throughout their life. So that's one thing that's kind of uh, that we know and that we have a lot of evidence for. Uh, the second one, I think, is uh, this idea of uh, relationships and, and having good relationship and having coaches and parents uh, and peers, uh, like the social dynamics have to be supportive and caring. And that's something that, that seems to be true across level and across age. And it changes throughout development, but having a caring person that is supportive of your achievement, of your failure, of your mistakes, of of everything you do in sport, uh, is certainly a very important variable of continued participation and commitment. And then the last one is the setting. I think we did quite a bit of research in terms of the, the physical environment, and there seems to be something about the physical environment uh, that trigger interest. Uh, and 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 these things are. Sometimes it means that you have access to a lot of different sport or you have access, uh, you know, you talked about safety at the beginning to safe environment to play sport and, and the physical environment appears to be something that, uh, again, is a common thing for commitment and, and development through sport. So, yeah. so those are kind of just very brief uh, kind of superficial ideas but we can dig in into each one of these variable and and really find uh lots of uh interesting evidence to to show that you know development in sport should happen in, in an environment that is safe with people that cares and with uh young kids that do what they want to do and and do activities that are interesting to them yeah, age age specific and developmentally appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I love what you said there. So we we can dig in and we can look at you know obviously we've got some of the constants. There's there's many variables, but there were the the constants were obviously safety, um, that yeah. people care, and that children have basically a voice and a choice. Yes, th as opposed yeah. to you know dictation and this is what you're doing and uh, the why is because I said so. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, 
you know, so with Rush Soccer, obviously, we deal with, we have 50,000 youth players, Jean, around the world, okay? And of course, many of them are at the foundational level or the recreational level, where we go up to the elite level and so on and so forth. We deal with professional coaches, we deal, we deal with volunteer coaches, and we deal with voluntold coaches, right? Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, again, we'll look for the constants. We know there's variables, but what would the constants be? Um, whether it's um, not, not just what coaches do, mm-hmm. but how and when it's done. Right. What are what are the, the things we can talk about around the four C's, obviously being competence, confidence, connection and character? You know, yeah. what are some of those character things we're looking for from the coaches to ensure that every child or every athlete has an excellent experience? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think the probably one of the most important thing to think from a coach perspective, especially with young people at the youth level, is to think about creating an environment that will trigger interest, enjoyment, fun, excitement. Uh, that that because that's crucial. You know, if kids do not get experiences in sport, immediate experiences in sport that are enjoyable and that are interesting, they will not come back. And 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 very often, you know, to me, uh, I, I, I like the long-term athlete development idea and that's fine and I think it has its place, but it has put an emphasis on this idea that it takes 10 years, it takes 15 years to develop an athlete uh, and as adults, sometimes as coaches, we think too much long term and children do not think long term. They need to think short term. So so in, in the way we think, you know, in the way we've kind of conceptualized development in sport, coaches have to be to recognize the immediate experience when they come to a practice. What do you do in a practice today? that's gonna make sure that kids are leaving a practice with a smile on their face and they wanna come back tomorrow. So that's the, that's the number one thing. You, you, you have to be able to achieve that. And, and then you mentioned the four C's, uh, that would be the short-term outcome. That would be things that coaches should be focusing on at a season level. You know, if you have a coach for one season, what would you like your athletes to develop at the end of the season? If, I, if I'm able to measure outcomes in your athletes at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season, and if I'm able to see changes in competence, so in the skill that the athletes are acquiring throughout the season, then you're doing your job as a coach. If I'm able to see at the end of the season that your athletes are more confident in their ability and they're more confident in in speaking, they're more confident in displaying ability, they're more confident in games and practice or to take some leadership roles. Or So again, I've achieved something as a coach. I I've, 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 I've did my job as a coach. The third outcome is connection, this idea of relationship. So if, if you develop competence and confident athletes, but athletes are not able to talk to each other, they have, they're not able to talk to you as a coach, they're not able to talk to their parents, you need to be able to 
I think sport is a, is, is a great activity to be able to uh, work as a team, work with others. And I think that's something that coaches should really uh, try to develop in athletes. And then the last one is character. Uh, so again, if you look at beginning of the season, end of the season, you should be able as a coach to develop uh, caring, compassionate athletes that respect the rule, that respect the integrity of the game. Uh, and, and, and all these things are, could be modeled by coaches and could be taught by coaches. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity in sport to teach those values, those high level values that form uh, character. So, so basically, to me, coaching, that's what it is. You, you want to develop those four C's and you, develop, you want to develop an interesting experiences and, and, and enjoyable experiences. And if you do that year after year, then that's going to lead to long-term outcomes. You don't even need to think about that. You don't need to even think to think about the performance or the personal development of people. If you accomplish if you develop on a yearly basis, every year, your athletes are getting a little bit better in their skill, a little bit better in their confidence, a little bit better in connecting with others, a little bit better in their character, they will achieve high level of performance or they will continue to participate in sport. Fantastic. There, there is so much in there, right? And I, it spins me off in so many different directions, um, but I'll try and keep this, uh, uh, keep us reined in. But I, I love what you said there. So obviously with, with younger players, you said we, we have to have environments that trigger excitement, interest, enjoyment, um, and include them. Um, the, the, immediate, the immediate experiences is, can we get them smiling? Can we get them having fun? Can we get them coming back? So yeah. children, younger children should leave the session um, being disappointed that the, the session is over yes right and yes. you know obviously the objective would be to keep as many children playing um for as long as possible in the best possible environment yes right and then we look to measure their outcomes and and uh you know their competencies and stuff like that the measurable things so you know what i'm hearing you talk about right so obviously i'm in the u.s um the U.S. market may be similar to the Canadian market. Um, it, it, it talks to so much more than just winning, Jean, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a much higher purpose than winning. Yeah. So, you know, how, how as coaches can they, obviously we've talked about role modeling and, and modeling those behaviors. How mm -hmm. do we get parents on board um, with the things that we're teaching? It, it, it's a big shift, you know. I, I, remind me about your your questions about parents, because maybe I'm going to yeah. go in a direction that's a bit different here. But I, I think when you're asking about the shift, there has to be a shift in how we think sport do, or how we use sport for kids. What, what is the value of sport for kids? And I like to use this example of. Uh, I, I think there's enough stats out there to tell us that I think in the U.S. there could, I, I think there's something like 35 to 50 million kids that play sport. Uh, and there's, I think there's about maybe 10,000 professional athletes. So basically, there's less than 1% of kids that play sport that will make it to the professional level. 
So then, then, you, then you say, okay, so 99% of kids are, not, are playing sport and they're not going to make a living out of playing sport. So why are we structuring sport for less than 1% of the population? Basically, that's what we're doing. You know, we are structuring sport to develop skill, sport skills that, you know, over the long term will lead to elite performance. That's what, that's our youth sports system is structured. A lot, of, and I'm not generalizing here. I think there's a lot of great programs, but a lot of our youth sports system is based that way. Money, business, entertainment for adults, and that should not be that. You know, the, which other program in society do we have that focus on 1% or less than 1% of the population? You know, if the government was putting money into an initiative that is, that focus on, like, it would not make any sense. It would be, you know, we would say it doesn't make sense. You need to address 99% of the population. You need to make policies about 99% of the population. So I guess my, my, my big thing here is that we need to think about sport as ideal activities for personal development of young people and personal development of, of qualities, of leadership quality, of initiative, of autonomy. of So all these things could be learned through sport, but then we need to design coaching and we need to design program that would focus on those, uh, on those characteristics, on those assets. And that's why the four C's, I think, to me, work quite well, because competence, sure, is the skill acquisition, and that's an important aspect of sport. You know, coaches should do that, and I'm not saying coaches should not try to develop skill, but the confidence, connection, and character is really the psychosocial aspect that is addressed through, uh, through sport. And we should just forget about winning and losing, you know. I, and, and, and I'm not saying here that competition is not important. Competition is important in sport. We need to keep competition, but we need to engineer competition so that everybody has a chance, and not only the, you know, and and, not, and we don't only reward the best players. Or so. Uh, sorry if I went on a tangent here, no. but but, but no, I but think I think it's <laughs> brilliant. You know, yeah. So and the, the tangent was it wasn't a tangent it, it, it kind of dovetails in into everything there and I think the statistic obviously that you mentioned between you know forty to fifty five million children playing sport but there's only ten thousand pro athletes the one percent per se but everything's geared towards that one percent so you know we've turned children into mini adults which we know they're not and there's the adultification of children's sports right. Um, yeah. And I think it was Horst Bain from Holland who, who once said that uh, a child's sporting experience should be like their shoes. It should fit them and be mm. comfortable. Um, yeah, so, but, but I think, I think it's huge here, right? And we talked about having a higher purpose than winning earlier, but we also have to know who's in front of us. So there may be children in sport um, that are in sport because mom or dad put them in or because their friends play in and stuff like that. And, and having this diverse um, experiences like you spoke about, I think the cream always rises to the top anyway. Sometimes there's speed bumps, yeah. sometimes people are helped along the way, but there's always been some kind of adversity that's been overcome. I think the other thing that we have to look at as well is the dropout rate of sports. Yeah. Um, and the other, you know, 
75% of teenagers in the US are dropping out of sports. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and quoting things like too competitive, no more fun. Um, yeah. Again, not appropriate competition. So I think the, the, the things that you're hitting on um, are so important. And the things, sometimes, you know, the competence, obviously, the competence side of stuff, was we're going through sport and giving children the technical skills, that can be the easy things. Um, you know, but looking at it contextually, are, are they are they doing the skill in the right time? But the character stuff is what's going to take them and go with them through life, right? The confidence aspect, the, the things you spoke about that we have the ability that team sports can teach, yeah. you know, that they can carry through life. So yes. huge there. So we talk about the shift, Jean. How yeah. do we get that shift? Um, and get and 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 flip the paradigm. How do we flip that paradigm per se, where we can, where people can see, you know what, where we take the the score out of the equation, so we're winning on more than just the scoreboard. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's, you you can make changes at different levels, and I think you know, like the scoreboard. Uh, you know, it's it's not. I'm, I'm not sure that it is the best thing to do, but there's certainly mm -hmm. things you can you can change in terms of the competitive structure and in terms of how we reward winning and losing, and in terms of uh, you know the size of the field for smaller kids, the size of the ball, the number of players on the field. So there's things about the physical environment, the the, the competitive structure that we can change. There's certainly things at the level of the activities that we can change. You know, the drills of, of a practice, uh, playing versus practicing, uh, scrimmage, uh, playing game for understanding, ga uh, small-sided games. All, you know, there's lots of literature, lots of research at the level of the activities and at the level of the environment that we can change to make things better. Uh, and I can talk about this, but I think we could have, you know, seminar on each one of these things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but where I am now, you know, in the last five to 10 years, we've been working a lot on the relationship. And, and to me, that kind of emerged as a huge, huge factor in terms of our people, our young people, our people in general, uh, experience sport. And, and uh, you know, when ba basically, if, if you are in sport and the, the relationship, the social dynamics that is happening in sport is a positive one, you will come back. You know, you will like the group you're with. You will like your coaches. If you like, if you like that type of social dynamic, that type of environment, it's going to be uh, a, a, an environment that will help you to develop as a person then you you're gonna usually usually you're gonna come back in sport and and you know when you ask people about their best coaches very often they tell us or most of the time they will tell us it's not the one that were the most technical or that had the most technical ability but it's the one that was able to relate to them as people and that were caring about their their themselves uh, and and, and sometimes it was had nothing to do with sport. It was just a person that was able to talk to them about school or or or, or life or or relationships or whatever. So so to me, that's a huge variable in terms of how we can how we need to change sport 
we need to change what coaches do uh, and, 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 and how coaches perceive their role. And their role is not to only teach basketball or soccer or hockey, but it's to really focus on people and develop people. Uh, and, and to do that, coaches need to, to be trained to do that. And, mm -hmm. and, and we've done a lot of research and look at courses around the world uh, and most of the courses that are taught to coaches on how do you become a coach, and I know in the U.S. it's different from Canada, but in Canada we have a coaching certification system, most of the courses are about professional behaviors of the coach, professional knowledge. So if you want to become a basketball coach or a soccer coach, if you want to become a soccer coach, we will teach you about soccer. And you're going to learn drills and you're going to learn uh, offensive and defensive uh strategies and you're going to learn how to coach during a game and how to you know so it's all going to be related around what you do in a practice what you do in the games but very little is focused on the interpersonal aspect of coaching and 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 i think to me that's where there is a lack and we need to uh change that and we need to make coaches realize that interpersonal skill is as important uh, and their interpersonal behaviors are as important as their professional behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, and coaches understand that, you know, <laughs> they, they realize yeah. that and they know that. Uh, uh, so, so, so we need to, 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 to do a, a better job at that. Yeah, and, and obviously I agree, you know, um, we are taught the X's and O's instead of the Johns and the Joes, um, yes. you know, yes. right? So, I, I, and I, what, I, what I said was, is, you know, we have to know who's in front of us and we have to know how to reach and teach that child, right? Um, and I think it was Maya Angelou that said it best. They don't care what you know, um, but they, they, you know, once they know how much that you care or something, um, yes. the old Maya Angelou quote that I've just butchered, but, um, which is huge. You know, obviously, um, it, and many coaching schools do that, that, you know, they go in and we do, we, we do coaching schools and, um, and we don't learn about, well, how do I manage this person or how do I relate to this person? Yeah. And the psych social side is so often forgotten, but it underpins everything we do. Yes. You know, definitely. Um, so there, there is a quote out there, you know, it says, uh, I think, uh, connect connect before you correct yeah yeah <laughs> and then be demanding without being demeaning is another one yeah yes yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I do love that one so you know and, and that brings me to this point right so obviously before a simple high five can change a life obviously the times we're in right now jean uh we have to find different ways of engaging and connecting right yeah. so the old uh, you know you know up on the shoulder you know these are things of the past so now we have to be more creative as coaches in in how we we connect and how we build that relationship whether it's as simple as a, i see you you know yeah. Yeah. um i think our work is cut out but you know obviously now as things are changing and the world's changed as we know it would be the great time to implement um implement changes in youth sports and how we keep children playing longer in a better environment because we've taken the time to know them and i think children now more than ever need that social interaction 
of sports yeah because of the times we're in yeah definitely yeah 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 so if we were yeah and, and i think that the, the the issues that we have in coaching is i think a lot of people recognize that that it's important but then they say something like oh those are soft skills so those are you know they're they're like everybody recognizes it's important but then they say oh it's you either have it or you don't well i'm sorry but they're not soft they're more they're not soft skill they're not softer skill than any other technical skill they're skills that you can learn interpersonal skills are things you can learn as much as how you learn how to structure a practice you can learn how to interact with a 12 year old and there's there's theories out there there's there's ways of understanding that and to me the biggest thing now that we need to do is we need to provide a framework we need to give coaches a language that they can use when they talk about interpersonal behaviors uh, just the way that you have a language that you use when you talk about soccer you know, coaches yeah. talk to each other about soccer practice. Well, there's a language that they use and they can understand each other. So we need to have a language to, to that is common among coaches that they say, oh, what you just did there was something that was very caring for the athletes. And I recognize that and, mm -hmm. and, and, and try, try to be able to, to uh, recognize those moments and recognize those those activities yeah so or even building them into your sessions like you say um and and observing more and then you know Definitely. before as coaches we we like to correct what's going wrong well why don't we stop and, and be the loudest when we've just seen jean that was fantastic i love the way you helped your teammates very good you know what i mean yeah. uh, the, the vision you just displayed for that pass that you made was superb so now we're giving them affirmation as opposed to just praise. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what you just said there, uh, Chris, it's is, is, is so it's so timely because basically you're describing behaviors that now we can measure. So you just you just said a few a few behaviors there that we can use a theory like transformational leadership that would allow us to say what you just showed there was individualized consideration. So I can put it into a box and I can code that behavior and I can say, you just show a transformational behavior. Mm -hmm. so, so, so transformational leadership is kind of the way we've kind of conceptualized interpersonal behaviors uh, in sport. And, and, and I, I can talk about it a little bit more. I don't know if you wanted to. to no, please, please do. And I was going to ask, you know, so you know we just checked that so how many uh traits or characteristics might there be um within each one yeah so so basically transformational leadership is a theory that has been used in business uh organizational psychology education military sport so it's a very well accepted theory that uh provide a very simple language to talk about, to, to, to explain interpersonal behaviors and good leadership behaviors from a coach. So we borrow, we, we kind of took that theory and we applied it to sport. Uh, but, but I'll just tell you what transformational leadership is about. And I know it's a bit of a mouthful, but there's four I of transformational leadership. And the first one is called idealized influence. 
So basically what idealized influence is as a coach is practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. So if you want to, your athletes to come to practice on time, you should arrive to practice on time. Mm -hmm. If you want your athletes to trust you, well, when you make a mistake, maybe you should tell them you made a mistake because they, they, they're going to. So basically, you model those behaviors. You model the behaviors that you want your athletes to show. So that's idealized influence. The second one is inspirational motivation. So good leader, transformational leader will show a lot of inspirational motivation. And what is that? is in one word is believing in your athletes. So again, how do you show that? Well, you can show that by discussing goals and expectation for all your athletes. I think goal settings and having goals for everybody, having a vision, a collective vision for the team, providing a challenging task and expressing confidence in your athletes. So those are all behaviors that would fit under this inspirational motivation. Uh, idea of transformational leadership. The, the, the third I is intellectual stimulation. And intellectual stimulation is this bringing athletes, making athletes being part of the process, being part of the, of, of, of the process of coaching, of the process of, and, and, and this could be done by eliciting athletes and put asking questions uh, sharing decision-making with athletes, but basically engaging your athletes in the coaching process. So that's intellectual simulation. And then the last one is individualized consideration. So individualized consideration is really showing interest in athletes' feelings and perspective, and not only about sport, but really, really recognizing their accomplishment, their contribution, and, and you know, asking about school, like I said before, asking about their, their parents asking about, you know, if they're in exam periods, asking them about stress and anxiety, are they stressed, are they? So, so that's individualized consideration. So, so basically, when you think about transformational leadership, now, you know, you mentioned a few behaviors, but I, was, I, I, I would be able to go and observe coaches and to say, you use a lot of toxic and a lot of transactional behaviors in, co in your session today, but you did not use a lot of transformational behaviors. And, and basically to get coaches to realize that their transformational behaviors is something that they can work on. And that's the how of coaching. You know, it's not the content, but it's how do I deliver instruction? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can deliver instruction. So you can tell people what to do, or you can just ask a questions, okay? So we want to get the ball to this player here in the corner. How should we do that? So that's intellectual, that's using intellectual stimulation versus just telling them you need to get the ball in the corner there. So, so I think, you know, there's a lot of ways and, and we have a workshop, we have, you know, we have different ways and, and we've been working on this for about 10 years, but now we've, we've reached a, we've reached a, a stage where, we're really out and you know we've been doing a lot of workshop around the world uh, using transformational coaching as a way of really helping coaches to develop those interpersonal behaviors and really getting coaches to think that they can change that they can you know even if they're not the best at interaction at interacting with people those are the things that they can work on and 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 exhibit more of those types of behaviors and 
practices and in games and in the in their interaction with with the kids super so if i was to say to you okay jean give me the three lowest hanging fruit that we can implement today what what would it be easy for you to pick three or would it be quite difficult uh so, so in terms of transformational leadership or in terms transformational of coaching and how we how we um implement it the individualized considera consideration or intellectual <laughs> stimulation for example and i know you gave an example um on basically whether we yeah, deal, yeah. give a command style or guided discovery but what in your opinion would be um like low-hanging fruit obviously observation but reflection obviously the coach has got to know where they're at right it takes athletes maybe exactly. it takes yeah. Yeah. It, it takes coaches maybe 6 weeks to figure out their players and it takes the players 6 minutes to figure out yeah. the coaches <laughs> right yeah. so self reflection yeah. i think is, is I, I, critical and key that that's it is critical that you know that 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 that's an excellent point there and and probably to have self reflection to me the, the when we when we when, when we do the workshop to coaches is awareness and 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 like i said before is probably the best thing the, the the most important thing we could do at this point is agree and it doesn't have to be transformational coaching it doesn't have to be this but agree on a way we can make interpersonal behaviors more of a systematic thing that coaches care about that coaches uh, so, so through the workshop, you know, it's just a, like a four-hour workshop. We're doing it online now. It's two hours online. Uh, but what it does is just provide providing a vocabulary, providing a lexicon, providing an environment, so that coaches now feel they can they can talk about those types of behaviors. Uh, so, so it's making them aware that these things are important. And there's a lot of research that support that these very small, daily, consistent behaviors that we do you do with your athletes they made a huge difference at the end. And 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 I think to me that that's the low hanging fruit. You know, getting yeah. coaches to realize that 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 very small little things have huge impact. And that mm -hmm. that's leadership. That that's good leadership. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, example, maybe, you know, when you're setting up the equipment, you're walking and talking with one of the players and maybe picking a different player each day to connect with on your walk to the field or from the field. Perfect. That is exactly the type of things that comes out in the workshop, you know. Yeah, good, good. Well, we don't... It is, don't... Such, a, it is such a simple thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah something that it you know if 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 you put an it needs a little bit of effort you know mm -hmm. and you need to think about it yeah yeah so something i've asked coaches to do this year jean is write down the 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 children's names on their team have have that information yeah. but then make a mental check mark or a check mark to how many children you spoke to at that training session or said their name or had interactions with Right. Yeah, and I think yeah. we'd be surprised because we may go through training sessions where we don't talk to some of those children exactly. or acknowledge yeah. them. Right. Um, so that, I, I that, that's fantastic. That That's exactly the type of things that, you know, is so it's so important. 
Yeah, and it's just getting people to realize that, though, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said the awareness. And, and it seemed to be a bit like, oh, it's so, you know, kind of fluffy type of behaviors. But, you know, when you get coaches in a room and then when they start talking about what it does and the difference that it makes, then it kind of reinforces those behaviors and it makes them, like, more uh, important for people to think about. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. And one one thing that I've done this year, I've taken over some older players, but I've asked all players to complete a player profile. And it's something like players, you people you admire and why, um, an athlete you admire and why. Tell us about yourself. You know, what are your fears? Tell us about your family. Tell us something funny that we can't tell by looking at you or share a, a story. What are your, what does your dream game look like? Um, what is one thing you want to improve on this year you know what would you like your teammates to say about you at the end of the season um things like you know if what is one thing you want your coach to know so they're able to 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 coach you better you know what i mean so little things yeah. that um and and obviously we had a parent meeting last night and a team meeting and one of the boys handed me the sheets and he hadn't put in the players he admired or people he admired. And I said to him, hey, this this work's not complete. Um, mm -hmm. Can you complete that? And then we can we can talk around it. So it's, you know, again, it goes back to that individualized um, consideration. Right. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, 16 individuals are going to have 16 different um uh, ideas per se yeah 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 no uh, that 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 that's fantastic you know again that's another great example of something small uh, but, you know if, if you take that that example you just mentioned so getting the player profile and asking them to but if if you if you let it go and you don't you don't follow up then it doesn't help you know and and i think that's kind of the idealized influence you're going to ask your athletes to do something then you're gonna follow up, and you're gonna you're gonna read them, and you're gonna you're gonna study them, and you're gonna try hard to. That's the that's that that's showing that you care basically, and that that so 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 all these things are really interconnected. So you you show individualized consideration, and you know you you're not just asking their name. You're trying to learn their names, and you're trying to learn about their life, uh, mm -hmm. and so that's showing idealized influence. In, in some ways, because you're 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 working hard to do that, and you expect the same thing from your athletes, basically, and they're gonna see that they're gonna see that in your coaching, in their coaches. Yeah. yeah, and and I think you know some coaches, as coaches, we don't feel like we have the time to work on those soft skills as you put them, and we yeah. we constantly want to work on those hard skills, and. Yes. And I think it's the All Blacks that said, you know, better players make better, better people make better players. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just finding those moments and teaching those life lessons through our soccer sessions or sports sessions, uh, and and making that a priority as opposed to, you know, like I said earlier, coaches, we have the the habit of always correcting, as opposed yeah. to praising or finding words of affirmation when when something's gone right so other people can model those behaviors yeah. you know yeah. Um, yeah, that's great uh you know it's interesting what you said about the time because that's exactly what coaches tell us you know i don't have time to do this 
so, so the whole workshop that we do on transformational coaching is based on behavior change theory. And one of the one of the things that people, you know, the the, the opportunity uh, is a big kind of obstacle to change behaviors. And and coaches tell us, I don't, you know, don't necessarily have time to do this. So through the workshop, we really tell them you don't need to add any time to your practice because this is what's about the how versus the what. So we're not telling you that you should give less instruction or that you should do le give less feedback or that you but what we're telling you is that when you give instruction how do you give instruction so can you bring individualized consideration in the way you give instruction so instead of giving instruction to you know when the kids are doing a drill you could go they're doing the drill you're still sitting there and watching them you could go to one or two athletes and telling give them feedback individually uh when you design the drill you could ask about the you could ask questions so so that so basically it's not adding time to a practice it's just thinking about and you know you mentioned it a little bit earlier about you know every coaches maybe they come up with a practice plan so you're going to do drill a b and c so in drill a b and c think about the interpersonal behaviors you're going to you're going to show in those drills you know it, it's just adding another column to your practice plan and and again it's not necessarily adding more time but it's just looking at different ways of communicating mm -hmm. huge massive yeah. so jean tell us a little about the workshops and how people can find the workshops people who will listen to this later people who are on live with us yeah so so the workshop is uh, you know it's something again it came to to a lot of so so the four eye of transformational leadership the last five years we've been able to observe coaches and practice and games and then we came up with 11 behaviors that fit under the four eye so what the workshop is about is really focusing on these 11 behaviors under idealized influence would be uh, showing vulnerability and humility so basically we tell coaches do you do that so when, when, when athletes make a mistake on a drill or when a drill doesn't work very well in a practice, what do you do? Do you apologize or do you say you guys are tired or you guys are, or, or do you go back and think about, you know, maybe the drill is not the perfect drill that I should not. So, and do you, and would you go to, coach, to, to your athletes and, and say, you know, I, I'm sorry guys, because this is something that is a bit too advanced and then let's refocus and that's my fault. Uh, so what do you what ha what happens when you do this? Well, you create a you you create trust. You create yeah. trust in your athlete. You create an environment that is trusting. So so basically, what the, the 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 workshop is about is we go through the eleven behaviors, and we really get coaches to think about those behaviors and how they can what what does it mean to them, and how can they display those behaviors more often in practice and in training. And they come up with an action plan. They come up with ways, uh, and and it's a lot of a discussion. It's not a lot of lecturing, but it's a lot of them sharing information about their interpersonal behavior, just like you did. You know, you gave us example of what you did and what, and then other coaches would share those experiences, and then it just create these resources that we have. Uh, so, so for each of the behaviors, we spend quite a bit of time. We show video clips. We would have exercise. 
we would tell stories uh, of leaders that are were inspirational for inspirational motivation that create vision or and we would have examples of behaviors that coaches have used in the past that have been successful uh, so so that's kind of you know the workshop in a, in a very short uh, yeah. fantastic and how could somebody uh, get on that workshop Jean how can they where could they find it is it on online I know you mentioned it's online where could yeah. we point them to yeah so right now we uh, you know obviously because of the the pandemic we're yeah. we're, we're not uh, we're not doing the workshop in person but we've just started to doing it online and we've been quite successful uh, it, it's going very well you know we use a lot of different well we, we're doing with zoom but we use a lot of different tools within the online version uh, so so it's been it's been good and I'm doing one with uh, uh, basketball in the Netherlands soon uh, and then there's I, I, we've got a couple plan in Canada here uh, for August so so basically the best way is to contact me uh, okay. by email at queensu.ca uh, yeah, and then you know we can we can uh, you know we're always interested to do research, uh, and as I said before, we have an instrument that has been published that uh, that about the workshop, and there's quite a bit of evidence that show that the workshop can make a difference in how coaches in their leadership behaviors, and also the workshop also provide a very broad understanding of leadership, uh, the different theories of leadership and different. Uh, style of leadership uh, like toxic and and we spend a bit of time on transactional leadership and what it is and how it differs with transformational uh, so so the, the the workshop is not about research it's supported by research but it's very accessible and it's it is for coaches and, and so, it seems yeah, that coaches to, yeah anybody brilliant. that would be interested i'd be happy to uh to contact to 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 uh to to, well, to be contacted by email though yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be in, in touch for sure. So Ruben uh, from Montana, Russian Honduras, uh, he just he, he says, first of all, I've really enjoyed this session very much. It is very important before the start of the season that the leadership of a club have a staff development meeting in reference to being a better coach. Many coaches do not have personal relationships and do not know how to talk or work with children who are different learners. The, this session addresses this. Coaches must remember um, that soccer is about the kid and not the coach. Um, so he's given us two thumbs up there from Ruben in Honduras. Thank, Thank you. you for for your comment, Ruben. Um, Thanks, I think I think it's also important. So you know, before before we can teach, you know, there's an old saying, right? The Jesuit the Jesuit priest always says, um, "I have to teach Johnny Latin." But before I can teach Johnny Latin, first I need to know Johnny, and then I need to know Latin. <laughs> yes. So yes. it's it's critical that we know who's in front of us um, as yes. a person. Um, but you yeah. know, Jean, I want to be uh, obviously yeah. sensitive to your time. Yeah. Um, uh, any final comments? Is there a question maybe that I should have asked you that I didn't? Um, You're great. I think you 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 touch on you touch uh, you touch many of the points I wanted to talk about today. You know, and Super. and and uh, yeah, I, I would be very happy to uh, you know to follow up with you or or anybody that's interested uh, about transformational coaching or any of the research 
you know, we did a lot of research on, uh, like I started a little bit about uh, sampling and play and practice. And, and I think that's the other elements. And I think it's important to look at transformational leadership, transformational coaching as, as one element of, coach, of, of, of coaching and sport. A very important one that has been uh, put in the background a little bit, uh, but there's a lot of other things that affect sport. And, and I think finishing at all the importance of professional behaviors and the importance of being, you know, running good practice where athletes are moving, and, but it's just one piece of the whole puzzle. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, so I think you know I'm I'm not promoting this as the end of it, the end all of of of, of the thing of sport, but but I think it's it's, it's a crucial part. Uh, absolutely. And absolutely, and if we're going to change with young people, yeah, absolutely, Jean. And if we're going to change the 75% yeah. dropout rate, you know, kids, are, children are coming to yeah. practice to to play. They're not coming to stand in lines yeah. um, or be yelled at. Um, because nobody likes to be yeah. yelled at, whether it's positive or negative. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's huge, and this is just another uh, tool in the toolkit per se to help exactly. uh, to, yeah. to have better people, which then turns has better athletes. Yeah, and I think that's a good way. You know, when when you started, you talk about changing sport, shifting sport. That would to me that would be a nice tool to 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 start the process. Yeah, completely agree. And Jean, listen, Focus I want to say, I want to say thank I, you. I just did a, a webinar with uh, and, and a session with Sports Scotland, and you know we they, they really want to uh, talk. They're talking about person-centered coaching, mm -hmm. and 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 we kind of compare that to outcome-centered coaching. But person-centered coaching is really transformational, transformational coaching. That's yeah. focusing on the person first. Yeah, and I think I think it's UK coaching that used the people acronym, and I think yes, that was yes, yes, person-centered, uh, engaging, organized. Uh, uh, I forget what the other P is, but uh, yeah, okay. I think it's huge. But Jean, yeah. fantastic. We'd love to get you back on. I'll be in touch about the the workshops because I would love to be involved um, okay. and, take, and take the course. But thank you so much. Thank you for putting yeah. all your thoughts on paper and sharing them and doing the research and getting it out there. We can't thank you enough, and uh, we look forward to catching up soon. Thank you very much. That was very uh, that was that was a lot of fun, and uh, looking forward to uh, connect again. Fantastic. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. We'll take care. Thanks, Bye -bye. everyone. Bye. Thank, 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 thanks for listening to Coach's Education exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network.